You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. And so the theme for this, uh, this last message is in conclusion. It was part one last week, part two this week. Look, I was, um, I was in my teenage years in 1966. I'll leave you to work out whether it was early teens or late <laughs> teens. <laughs> Only Brendan knows. He's got it in the notes. Uh, I've decided to drop the age reference. But it was, uh, it was March the 4th, 1966, when a guy who I really admired, I, I could say maybe loved, loved his work, he said something that really disturbed me. It really disappointed me. I didn't expect it. It caused me a certain degree of revulsion, to be honest. I was a pretty zealous Christian in those days. And what this man said really, really shocked me. March the 4th, 1966, the man was John Lennon, the front man for the Beatles. Uh, I loved the Beatles then. I love the Beatles now. Uh, I have virtually all of their music on CD. It will be accompanying me when I drive to Adelaide in a week's time. Um, Don't worry, Bev's in another car, so she'll be... Adequately protected. Uh, but I will have Sgt Peppers and all the other albums up flat out. I love their music. But John Lennon shocked me when he said in an interview, you know what, we are now bigger than Jesus Christ. And for you young ones, that might sound pretty shocking that, that somebody would say that. The exact quote was this. It was in an interview. He said, we're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go, as in finish, which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Now, I don't know if John was, uh, you know, sort of uh, a little bit drug-induced at that time. I don't know. He was, he was in a bit of strife back in that, that time. But it was, uh, it was considered by many, many people to be way over the top, including myself. I mean, it was just a dumb statement to make because it was so far from the reality. I mean, yes, they were getting massive crowds, but nothing like the one-third, maybe even more in those days, one-third of the world's population who claimed some allegiance to Jesus Christ. They had nothing like that. They were popular, yes, but to have the audacity to compare their popularity with Jesus Christ, well, it was outrageous. It was over the top and it offended me and many, many others. The fact is, guys, the historical Jesus is peerless. Nobody even comes close. And And anybody who's tried to claim superiority or even equality with him has sadly been shown to be very misguided. And quite delusional. The Beatles broke up three years after his infamous quote. And in 1980, John Lennon was cut down by an assassin's bullet outside his home in New York in, in, uh, on, a, on a summer's afternoon. And to the best of my knowledge, he is yet to experience a bodily resurrection. Uh, <laughs> unlike Jesus Christ. The only person ever to come back from the dead in a physical, literal, eternal way. Jesus Christ is the pivotal person of human history. He's the one around whom everything else revolves. And in the first century, as the Christian movement began to spread across the then known world at a rapid rate, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he penned some words, which I'm going to read in a moment. And these words were written to a group of Christians meeting in the city of Colossae. Now, These were turbulent times. The religious scene was very, very volatile, with many groups claiming to have exclusive rights to the truth. And against this backdrop, Paul writes these words in Colossians. Have a look at this. He says, Christ is the invisible, is the visible likeness of the invisible God. 
Or rather, let me go back. No, this is what he says. Okay, I'm going to go back straight to verse 18. Here it is. He, Christ, is the head of his body, the church. He is the source of the body's life, the firstborn son, who was raised from death in order that he might have the first place in all things. Now, guys, if you want a single verse of Scripture that really encapsulates the essential components to the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, there it is. That is such a powerful verse. We could, we could spend weeks in a series on that. This affirmation was to be the basis of Christian churches as they were then. It's been the basis of Christian churches ever since. That is, churches where there's a sense, where there's a sense of mission and purpose. Churches where... The spirit of Christ is alive and well. Churches that are in touch with him. And guys, Northside has always endeavoured to be a church like that. Northside has always, in its 30-plus year history, or 30-year history this year, has always endeavoured to be a church like that. In case you missed it, it's all been about Jesus. It really has. He's the one in whom we live and move and have our very being. Jesus Christ He is the one who mediates between us and God, our Heavenly Father. And of course, that's what makes him so incomparable. Christians believe Jesus is the only way, the only way whereby we can have salvation. He's the one who provides a a bridge between fallen humankind and a holy God. He's the one who provides that bridge. Verse 19 and 20 of Colossians chapter 1. Can I read it for you? Look at this. It was by God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God, the incarnation. Through the Son, then, God decided to bring back the whole universe to himself. God made peace through his Son's blood on the cross and so brought back to himself all things, both on earth and in heaven. There's the, there's the reference to the bridge. Jesus came so that he could provide the way back. And so, guys, the message I've declared over all the years of my ministry is take heart. Be glad. Be reassured. There's hope. There's great news. We don't have to live permanently in a situation of estrangement between ourselves and our loving Heavenly Father. There's a way back. It's just a matter of receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, the one that God has provided. That's been essentially at the heart of my message. And of course, once a person is assured that their relationship with God has been restored, you're never quite the same again. I could run the microphone around this group and and that would be the testimony of so many of you. Become a Christian. Wow. Everything changed. Once I crossed that bridge, everything changed. I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm empowered. All those things. Paul reinforces this idea of the bridge, this, the, the idea of mediation, when he writes to his young prodigy, Timothy, and he urges him to keep the main thing the main thing. Look what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. There is one God, and there is one who brings God and mankind together. There's the bridge idea again, the mediation. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself to redeem all mankind. This is the message with which we've been entrusted in the Christian church. It's an incredible message. It's a message of hope. It's a message of love. It's a message of reconciliation. It's a message of renewal. It is the greatest message available on planet Earth. We are so blessed to be entrusted with this incredible good news. So Jesus is the one who mediates between us and God, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is the one who motivates us in our mission. Just like uh, Jake and Elwood in uh, the Blues Brothers. We really are on a mission from God. 
We really, that's, that's at the heart of all we are doing. Possibly one of, the, one of the worst things that can happen, I've seen this happen over the years, one of the worst things that can happen in a local church is when it loses its external focus. When it loses the fact that it is in business to, to serve, it is called to reach out, it is called literally to go into all the world. And you know, a little history lesson here, among the lasting Memories I will take from my 16 years here will be the memories surrounding those times when we have been in a very deliberate and intentional and unmistakable way when we've been in mission. Going way back to the early days, we raised many thousands of dollars not long after I arrived here to buy a new uh, ambulance for a, uh, a hospital in India. Uh, and uh, I'm thrilled to say that Miriam... Pawa is in the congregation tonight. She was a 10-year-old girl when I went to India and saw the need over there for a new ambulance. And just by the grace of God, beautifully, here she is with her husband, Biddy, in the church, part of this fellowship now. I will forever remember that as one of the special blessings God has given to me. So we raised, I think it was in excess of $10,000, and she would have been the recipient of that because that ambulance would have been parked right near her place every day. And then, of course, um, it was great that the Blairs were here this morning because that reminded me of, you, of the mission trip we, we sent to Uganda, to the Watoto ministry back around 2006. And one morning, we filled this church with people and 35 people were dedicated to God for that two-week mission service. And some of you are here tonight, Annie and others. I mean, what an awe-inspiring... That was one-tenth of the congregation in those days. One of the largest percentages of a church on a mission trip that I have ever heard about. 10% of our people went to, uh, to Uganda and there's a, a kitchen area over there in that uh, orphanage with a little plaque on it that says Northside Community Church in Sydney built this whole thing. We raised something like $100,000 for that project. I remember some of the barbecues I've been to at Glebe, the times I've been down to Hope Street and seen our work down there, uh, praying over the Vanuatu mission team led by Andrew Salon. All those years ago, that was a pretty risky, pretty treacherous uh, mission trip that he was reminding me about it this morning. Pretty scary. The times that the years we were up at the Crow's Nest Fair, all those helium balloons, and uh, we would do the face painting and just our presence in the community. We'd still be there, but the organisers have made it really tough for churches to be part of that. It's now more of a, a wine and food tasting uh, experience. And, you know, and so churches are sort of like, mm, not sure. Well, we may get back there one day. The work we've done with women's shelters around this area through the, uh, through the Beyond Northside and our women's ministry. Just recently, Bathurst. We honoured the Bathurst team and there's an anticipation of more work being done at Bathurst. Of course, there's the various missional activities that we do on a regular basis. Uh, things like divorce care and grief share and the marriage course. Um, outreach events that are organised by our women's ministry involving uh, community people. The women of Northside, all the money they've raised over the years. Just incredible. The memories that I will take. And guys, you know, I've urged us to see virtually everything we do in this church as missional. That's what I've tried to impart. It's part of our mission, part of our mandate as a proactive, service-oriented body of believers, the body of Christ. And of course, Northside's impact in the community extends way beyond just the things we organise, way beyond that. Look, wherever a Northsider is involved in a voluntary role, in a school, in a charity, in a community group... Wherever they are volunteering for overseas service in events or in initiatives that are beyond just our church, there's a sense in which 
quite independently, you, you are getting involved in these areas of ministry. Well, independently in a, in a sense, but in another way, very much co-joined with us because some of you are getting involved in these things because you've been inspired and motivated by the service culture of Northside. And you've been inspired by the Jesus in whose name we do all these things. And in that sense, our influence, it, our impact is just unbelievable when you, when you add all that up. Yes, he's the one who mediates. He's the one who motivates. And Jesus Christ is the one who activates our faith and our compassion. And I'm using these two terms here now in respect to the family, the, the body of Christ as we know it. We've had to exercise a lot of faith and we've had to give a lot of compassion over the years. To become the church we are, we've had to do both of those things. You see, a lot of faith has been required because we've had a lot of challenges. We have had a lot of challenges here. Um, I, I, I could spend uh, the whole night and even into this week telling you about the challenges and the heartache we had in putting this building complex together. Um, just one of the challenges. But there have been challenges at the personal level for a lot of you. For some of you right now, you're going through them right now. Challenges involving health issues. We had Peter Huckabee here this morning. Peter has been battling a brain tumour for 13 of my 16 years without remission. And he holds a record in t- on two counts. He holds a record in my ministry as the person who's undergone the longest operation ever, 18 hours, and the person who's battled cancer, severe cancer, without remission for so many years. And he was here this morning praising God. He is a giant of the faith, along with his wife, Margaret. So there's been challenges involving grief and loss and heartache of various kinds. You know, like every human emotion imaginable I have experienced in my ministry here. Every human emotion imaginable. And through all these turbulent times, our faith has been activated. has to be. It's been put into action. We've said to the Lord, we don't know what's happening here, God. We don't know why this is happening. But we continue to put our trust in you in the belief that you will show up and you'll either deliver us miraculously from what we're facing or, and it's a big or, you will give us the strength to cope and to bear with the reality that we are facing. Now that's, that's industrial strength faith. On this topic, can I just pause and say that I am so proud to have been part of a church that has exercised spiritual maturity in this area of faith to the point where we have moved beyond a reliance on simplistic, trite, superficial answers to some of the really heavy questions of life. And I still wince when I hear of churches who provide those sort of you know, simplistic answers. That's just not where it's at. Look, we, we're a church which by faith we've been prepared to face the fact that some problems cannot be solved in this life. They just cannot be solved. But by God's grace and in his strength, they can be managed. And so many of you are managing the problems that you face in life, the heartaches that you face, the the personal disappointments. You're managing them. You're still here. You're praising God. You're worshipping. That's faith. That's a far cry from a faith that's dependent on miracles every five minutes. Anybody can have faith if that's the way it is. It doesn't take much faith. It takes real faith. 
to stay strong and to hold on to Jesus in those tough times. I mean, we're prepared to confront the truth that in the light of the inevitability, inevitability of trials and testing, life is not about praying for an easy existence. It's about praying to be a strong person, a strong pilgrim person, a person with the promise of Romans 8 deeply etched into their heart and soul that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You get that etched into your inner psyche. You get that touching the very heart of who you are. I'll get you through anything. And as Patricia has reminded us so eloquently on the front cover of the church paper, she recalled a time, and I believe this, when you, know, when you can't see the hand of God, trust the heart of God. When you can't see the hand of God, trust the heart of God. God is good. And so Jesus is the one who activates our faith, and he does so constantly and consistently. It takes real faith to embrace some of these heavy truths. And in activating our compassion, well, what's happened here? He's, he's made us a close, caring, supportive church family that has attracted so many. And let's remember, has sent so many. We have sent so many people from this church to the point where some of you have been on the receiving end of a question from me at the top of the stairs. Hi, you're among our guests today. Wow. And often you'll hear the American accent. Oh, you're from America. How long are you here? Three years. Okay. Uh, you know, and like that, that has happened so many times. And that's how long they're here. Three years, maybe four years. We said goodbye to the Macabres recently. I mean, that's happened so many times. Great news. They've got friends all over America. It's fantastic. Uh, I got a bed all coast to coast, you know, some, sometime. Well, and what's happened with these people we've sent out? You know, they've, they've gone out with a, a, a fresh awareness of what a caring, welcoming, inclusive church family is like. And they've told us that. And they've told us how that, that's how Northside has, has touched them. Guys, a quick review. Jesus mediates. That's the gospel. Jesus motivates. He's the driving force. Jesus activates. He's our source of power and strength through the Holy Spirit. And finally, and some of you are probably guessing what the eights is on this last point. You know my love for rhyme. Um, he's the one who liberates. And he liberates us to dream dreams and create visions. And look, guys, this is the part of being a Christian I love the most. We are destined to be dreamers. Get your head around that. We are destined as the people of God to be people of vision. Look, for as long as I can remember when I was in short pants in Sunday school. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Um, <laughs> like I was inspired by the great legends of the Bible. Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Nehemiah, Esther, Peter, Paul, Jesus himself. And what do all of these Bible legends have in common? They all responded in their own way to a God-inspired vision of what was possible. You trace their story. It sort of comes down to that. They all took risk in pursuit of a dream that would make a difference in the lives of people. And look, this was part of my calling to ministry. I was so energised by the fact, like I was enjoying my time at BP Australia and I was on the upward, you know, upward, I was on the kind of executive uh, pathway there. 
I just wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And the call to ministry had such an appeal because I could see, wow, in a leadership role in the church of Jesus Christ, you could really start making a difference far more than I could, I felt, in corporate life. And that was a big part of my call into ministry because of the, the example of these great biblical characters, these leaders, these legends, because visionary leadership, visionary leadership brings out our best as human beings. It really brings out our best, particularly in the areas of the of determination and perseverance. Now, guys, you couldn't have a final sermon from Graham Agnew without a reference to Hebrews 12. Uh, this is one of my favourite passages. Listen to this. As for us, says the writer, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. All the guys I've just mentioned, plus all of you and everybody who's ever been a Christian down through the centuries. This large cloud of witnesses. So then let us rid ourselves, based on their example, let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and of the sin which holds onto us so tightly. Let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on great worship, Exciting programs, amazing fellowship, terrific coffee. It doesn't say that. It says, let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Okay. On whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He did not give up because of the cross. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I... I want to close with a, a story that came to me this week. I'm so glad it came to me this week because it just, I think it encapsulates what I'm trying to say tonight. Um, I'm glad that God has arranged it that I make a reference to a guy who many of you probably never heard of. His name is Robert Shuler. He, for many years, was uh, the leading televangelist uh, in the world, really, and based in Los Angeles. And I had the privilege of becoming a friend of his, and I went across to his church many times. And in the early days of my ministry, um, a leadership event that Bev and I went to was a scholarship thing. We went across in 1983. And that man, in the week that we spent with him, he had an incredible impact on my life. He made a comment that I'll never forget. He said, God wants you to succeed. He wants you to dream. He wants you to get a big vision. I've grown up in church life where I felt that way. But people were saying, Graham, just settle down, man. You know. <laughs> It's just the church, mate. Just calm down. What do you mean you want to change things? You know, just, just relax. It'll be safer. I didn't want to be safe. And Robert Schuller said, God wants you to succeed. He wants you to go for it. And I came back to Australia and the, and the charts in my first, I'd been there for a couple of years and we just off the chart. I, I just had a whole new orientation in ministry. So it's nice that there's a reference to Dr. Robert Schuller, even though sadly uh, many things have happened in recent years um, that we can't go into now, but... But he had a big impact on my life in those early years. And I recall him on occasion. He said that in the early days of his church in the drive-in theatre, he started a church in a drive-in theatre. He couldn't get a a spot in any other place. All all the halls were were booked out and the other churches were, even the seven-day Adventists, he thought. But somebody else had taken their place. So he got the local drive-in. It was innovative. It was cutting edge. It was amazing. Back in back in 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 the 60s. And on this particular occasion, he invited a man by the name of Norman Vincent Peale. Now, he may or may not be known to some of you here, you young ones. Um, Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking. 
He was a minister of a large church in, in New York, the Marble Collegiate Church. He lived to be 100 years of age. At one point in time, he would have easily been known, along with Billy Graham, he would have been known as the best, the, the, the most recognisable ministry person in the West. Let's put it that way. Uh, highly visible, lots of books. And this book, The Power of Positive Thinking, sold millions of copies. Well, this particular morning, Dr. Schill was so wrapped that he got Norman Vincent Peale to be a guest speaker. And he was so excited that when he got to the, the drive-in, he realised he'd left the guy's bio notes behind. And you couldn't just go to the office and get them because the office was down, downtown in Anaheim somewhere and they were in the drive-in, uh, just a borrowed site. So Dr. Schiller, as he told the story to us, a group of us over there many years ago, he said, I sort of improvised. And I came up with a, a little introduction. He nodded, jutted out in a, on an envelope. I guess a bit of card like this. And, and this was the introduction. He said, friends, our very special guest today is a household name, not only in the United States, but around the world. His words have inspired millions. His acts of love and kindness have benefited countless numbers of people the world over. He has a powerful message for us today right here. His name is Jesus Christ. And to talk about him all the way from New York is Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> That, that is fantastic, isn't it? Talk about thinking on your feet. Now, guys, I got to thinking. I got to thinking. You know, look, that's, that's how I'd like my ministry to be seen here. Really. I, I'm, you know, that anybody who comes either as, an, as, a, as a, a member of the family or a first-time guest, this is all about Jesus. Oh, by the way, to tell us about him, it's Graham Agnew. He just happens to be the leader here at the moment, but it's not about, it's about Jesus Christ. So in case you've missed it, it's always been about Jesus Christ. Always has been, always will be for Graham Agnew. And I really hope and pray it will always be that way for Northside Community Church. That's my deepest prayer. Let us bow in prayer, shall we, right now?